This is Realty Talk with Ellie and Galen. Welcome to episode 84 of Realty Talk with <laughs> Ellie and Galen. Yeah, we've it's been, been a little rusty. It's been a minute. It definitely my fault. I've been gone the last couple weeks, but we're back. Um, I think I put the last title, We Aren't Canceled, because we've been like sporadic with doing these, but we're not going to stop doing them. It's just we'll, we'll, we'll keep doing them. So. Um, so episode 84, Ellie, what's the good word last couple months? It's kind of weird. Like, Not a whole lot. It's snowing right now, which I'm super happy about. Are you a snow person? No, I'm being sarcastic. Oh, okay. I mean, I am a snow person in December and exclusively December. You're, you're a Christmas person. I'm a Christmas person. But in April, almost May, when they say showers, they're talking about rain showers, not snow showers. <laughs> and I, they did say something about three inches. It's not three inches, but it's enough to make you like... It, it, it will be gone by tomorrow, but still, it's a perception. It's BS. Yeah, I'm mad. It's Mother Nature. It's get cool. your get your stuff together. So, besides the weather, besides getting my skis back out, which I just literally put away like three days ago, so it's like karma. But um, anything good, exciting? Not really. Fun? No. <laughs> good news, bad news. We we have no topic. Same today. old, same old. <laughs> yeah, we have, and we have no topic today, so we usually come into it completely blind, just saying, "What do you want to talk about?" Then we say. We don't know. Yep. So instead of deciding really what we want to talk about and brainstorming, we just hit play and just hope that one of us comes up with something as we're rambling. Um, my topic for today is escalation clauses, which I think is a good one. And we don't use them too often. And basically what an escalation clause is, is you can build into a contract, hey, I'm willing to give you X dollar amount, this is purchase price, with an escalation clause of say typically a thousand dollars higher than any other offer up to a cap like i'm willing you know and say it's a two hundred thousand dollar deal i'll give you 200 but i'll do an escalation clause up to 210 meaning i'll give you a thousand dollars higher than any offer up to 210 so if it's 205 i'll give you 206 like that idea so the reason i was kind of ranting to ellie before is because we have a house on the market multiple offers so therefore if you get multiple offers on a house you typically customary you ask all the agents bring me your best and final offer so you get one shot we got a bunch of offers everybody give us the best we're gonna the sellers will then pick which one they think is the best and go with it so a couple of the offers come in with escalation clauses i get it i get why people put them in there i get the purpose of them my thought process as you know an agent telling my bot my sellers my sellers were totally on board they're like absolutely no way we're not doing escalation clauses the problem with an escalation clause is both of these escalation clauses were well above the asking price, but both offers came in at asking price with escalation clauses much higher than th that price. So if it's truly a best and final offer, then wouldn't you just put those two highest numbers on there and not do this like, well, if they're going to go from 200 up to 203, we'll give them 204, then why are you writing 215 as your escalation clause? Like, yeah. why don't you offer 215? And so I don't like the idea of it. I think it's just a, it like, it takes away. A it's like a loophole to the best and final offer. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's if you're gonna put an offer in with an escalation clause, there's no need for an escalation clause. You just put your highest and best offer in, which or be, I call it best and final because technically it doesn't have to be your highest. Just have to be your best. Your, if your yeah. your highest is your best is cash, but slightly less than what you were gonna finance. That might be a better offer. You know, so best and final. Um, that was my rant. That's pretty much my only topic. Do you have any <laughs> comments on escalation clauses? Um, my only comment is I 
been doing this for like three years now and I have yet to have any have cro- I have one cross my path I'll Which be honest. Is, it's, I guess it's not either that not that common, or I've just been the lucky. First time I had it was probably last year. Yeah, I've never. It's, it's just the market we're in. It you, makes sense. Like yeah. if you're because people are putting them in in bids, and it's like I get it when you're losing out on homes, but like an escalation clause, like you're basically stating I'll give you asking price, and I'm not committed, and I don't want to go up to that high price because most people in the when you go into a bidding war, like a quote unquote bidding war, where there's more than one offer. The buyer doesn't know the other offer. Neither buyers, all the buyers do not know other offers. Yeah. The only ones that know the offer is the agent and the seller. I also, so what, what's to stop you aside from just trying to be a good person from, you know, let's say that they say their um, escalation clause goes up to, let's say that they offer 200, but their escalation clause goes up to 220. What's to stop you from saying, well, the other offer bumped it all the way up to 220. You know what I mean? Like, is there So usually what they do, yeah, you? they write in, oh. you got to prove that it was that high. Okay. And I'm like, that's annoying. Which, but the, it's stupid. It's like, if you're going to go up to, yeah, 220, then just show 220. Yeah. Like, don't say, well, we would, I mean, we go up to 220, but we're only going to go a little bit higher than the other person. Like, well, that's the purpose of a multiple offer. That's the purpose of a seller having the advantage in having the leverage against you because you do not know the other offers. So if you really are, would give 220 to it, then put down 220. So if you find out that the asking price is not enough, you offer 200 and the 200 is not enough, where you're going to lose out in the house. Well, I want I was willing to go 1,000 above higher. Well, then go 220, giving yourself, hedging your bets, knowing that you're going to sell this yeah. or buy it. Um, so I don't like them. I think they're, it's like the biggest loophole that I can find in one of those situations and i get why people do it but it oh totally but I, yeah me working for the seller i'm like that's a that's a like a bullshit thing like just yeah. give me your highest offer don't give me this like here's our highest offer with an asterisk saying well i mean we really could go a little bit higher but we want to we don't want to like go too much higher than the other offer like, yeah that's the purpose of a multiple offer like that's exactly why you want to have multiple offers to scare the other buyers into thinking the other person went super high or whatever and sometimes they do and so like well, we don't think they went above the asking. No, right? then go asking and roll the dice. You willing to lose it if they went $1,000 over? Well, no. Okay, then go $2,000 over. You willing to lose it if they went $3,000? No, then go $4,000. Like, you play that game all the way to the point where like, eh, don't want to go any higher. Yeah. But, yeah, escalation clauses. Not, I'm not a big fan of them. Um, I get why people do it, but I also think that it is a loophole. And I think if an agent is working for their their client, like they should as a seller, that's not like... They should come in. And now both these offers come back and say, well, we're not going as high as our escalation clause. That's fine. But at least yeah. we know where you stand. Yeah. And this other person already said that, like, hey, I'm good for this offer. They're, to me, like, lying in the sand. This is where we're at. You guys are like, eh, like, we're dabbling in it. Yeah. But we can, we have to go up higher, we will. But we don't want to waste our all our money, which yeah. to me seems I, silly. I get it. I, I completely get it. But from the seller's perspective, and, and you know, if you're, as you're working for the seller, then no. It, from the buyer's perspective, I get it. If you're working for a buyer and they want to do it, I get it. If you're working for the seller, though, I, I would the, not advise only, to work with that at all. The only way I can see it from a seller's perspective is if the seller, like, I like I requested those two agents get rid of the escalation clause and just come up with a number. Yeah. Now, could it shoot us in the foot? And all of a sudden, the numbers they were going to escalate up to, they don't, they don't, and they decide to pick a lower offer. Next thing you know, like we could have gotten a little bit less than the other one. Possibly, but like now, granted, we have a third offer that's extremely good term wise. That's yeah. like, honestly, if those two even backed out, we would take that one. Like, yeah. so it's not like the end of the world, but it's still, I just don't, 
and I always look at stuff like what's the risk? Like what's the risk of telling them not to do it? Do we, you know, scare the buyer away? Maybe you got to know the market you're in. We're in in a different market. market, I think that that those kind of terms would be doable, more doable, yeah. because then you have more strength as a buyer. But in a market like this, I, I feel like it's kind of playing with fire, it just because it's so hard to well, get any any bids accepted. Well, that's the thing. Like right now, as a buyer, like you don't have leverage. You have no. zero leverage in this yeah, market. Nothing. So, like you honestly, like put everything you have out to that seller. To give them no reason not to accept your offer. Yep. Like, and there's a couple things. Like, people are putting like personal property on like on the house that we didn't have listed as property. I'm like, you can do that, but now you've just increased. So, like, if you're in a multiple offer, the whole idea is to make the offer as enticing to the seller as possible. Yeah. You doing anything that's going to be above and beyond what the seller's already saying they're willing to do then becomes one more like, like. Ding on your like, well, like ding on you, but like one more tally on your side and one less on their side. Like, yeah. And if somebody else is willing, like, price. If you're in a multiple offer, why are you going under value on the asking price? You yeah. can maybe you might still win at a lower value, but for the most part, if you have multiple offers, if you give the client, if you give the seller what they're asking, you are not having them negotiate down. Mm-mm. You want that now. That still might be too little. The other offer might be higher than asking. But it's still the idea that don't go under because now you're asking them to come lower and then multiply. It like makes zero sense. So it's like yeah. you should always give them asking. Then they don't have to do any adjustments. And I would even argue go higher. And then, you know, term-wise, like, okay, they're not willing to leave a couple of the personal appliances. Then don't put them down there. Like, do you want to lose out in the house versus because they didn't give you a $1,500 refrigerator? Yeah. Like, what's more important, a $1,500 refrigerator or a house? Like, I... In my eyes, I'd say, well, get the house and buy a mini fridge for a few weeks. I don't yeah. know. like, But it's just funny sometimes when you get stuff where they add like some crazy terms in there. And I'm like, no. Well, like, just like- I do always sometimes wonder too when you see something like that if it's just a buyer who is either crazy or just doesn't know how things work. Um, or if it's an agent who is crazy or doesn't know how things work. Like how much of it is the well, buyer and how much of it is the agent? Because there have definitely been times where, you know, you work with someone who just will not listen to you and, you, and you know, you have to present what they want regardless of whether it's something that you personally agree with. Correct. So I do wonder yep. sometimes how often it's... So if you're... There's a... I kind of know if I had to guess... Majority of the time, it's the client. Yeah. It's not the agent. Yeah. I would say it's probably 70, 30, 80, 20, like one of those like uh, I would agree. Realms. Yeah. And then, and the other aspect too is who is the agent dealing with it? I would say Galen, like myself, the first five years of my career, someone could maybe pin it on me not really knowing as much as I might may know now, yeah. and maybe that was more towards like the 60-40 client, me 40 agent. Now I would say, like me knowing other agents that are really understand, they're good agents, they know what they're doing. If they start throwing stuff in, that is like 95-5 client yeah. them. Because like yeah. they know what they're doing, and they're giving that advice. And I think a lot of the times when it comes to, and I've, we talked about this before about real estate, like real estate is easy. Like, like the the... How to do real estate is easy. The concept of real estate is easy. Like understanding terms is easy. Yeah. The hard part is trying to get your client to understand it, to do it. So like I find like in real estate, like, yes, I know a lot about real estate. I feel that I have like a master's degree in psychology because the amount of people that I've had to talk to, buyer, seller, agent, client, bank, 
parent, kid, whatever, you name it. You have to understand. You have to be able to read people. You have to have the, like that was a, the EQ, like emotional uh, quotient of like understanding yeah. what people, how to relate to them, how to offer advice, how to, okay, maybe I can't say it as direct. Maybe we got to tiptoe around it and you know make it feel like it's their idea. And like there's all these like psychological things that run through my mind that I have to tr- then transfer to the client. So sometimes the better agents aren't even necessarily the doing it because they know a lot about real estate they cannot they can read people and they can adjust to people and like i think a lot of it's your demeanor with people i am better now than i used to well, it was i'm yeah. more confident in myself but i also have seen more scenarios where i can then you know it's kind of like you play devil's advocate a little bit or someone says something and then you just flip the script around like yeah well this house isn't worth more than that because i said i'm gonna offer this i'm like well it's two days on the market and you know they're probably gonna get you know close to the asking knowing this offer and of yeah. course you don't want to like tell them like i completely disagree with you so you got to like be good but then i might turn it around and say well guys if you were to put your house on in two days would you accept something twenty thousand dollars less like yeah. well no probably not so okay well they're just like you they're human they're, yeah. they're selling so you got to kind of sometimes put it in context where people understand it and and because they disagree doesn't mean that the, that person other person's wrong and most of the time i think my person's probably wrong but you yeah. work for your client so then you got to really like the fine line of like making sure you tell them the correct information, but doing it in a way where they don't get pissed that you're like arguing with them. And also where they understand that, you know, you can give them information based on your experience, but at the end of the day you work for them. And even if they, Mm -hmm. if they don't want to do, you know, what you might recommend, that's, that's fine. You you will do what they want you to do at the end of the day, regardless of whether. Well, I think there's no place that's more – well, there's two places where that's extremely true is how much money or yep. what terms you can offer in an offer and then number two, where do you want to list your property? Yeah. So when I go to a listing, I I do a ton of homework on the property, meaning I know pretty much everything I need to know about that house going into the listing. Then I say, okay, I know the house, I know the area, I know the market, I know the trends, I know this, that, I know the house down the road, I know this sold for that. A lot of it's historical data too, just like yeah. 10 years of just understanding, but like that factors in my head. Then I walk through, look at the house. Okay, what's the product? What's the actual house? Does it need updating? Does it need um, improvements? Does it need just some easy, like, hey, some weekend, weekend warrior projects? Or does it need some, hey, grab some totes? organize pull some stuff off the countertops let's clean this thing up a little bit let's let's call in a cleaning crew let's do some minors like prep work and then put it on the market in a month from now yeah that that happens a lot and then it's okay what you know what price do you need what do you like what's your goal what okay how much do we need to accomplish that goal okay let's work our way back do you owe money in the house do you have any other liens do you have any of things you got to pay off boom 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 let's get your numbers okay here's your numbers here's your plans what's your time frame does all this fit let's come up with a game plan does this sound good? Yeah. And then let them put the parameters in. Well, no, we want this amount of money. Okay, if you want that amount of money, the chances we're going to sell this are slim to none. Or, hey, we want to move you know, next week. Okay, well, I'm going to give you some different advice yeah. on the price and the listing portion of it because that's what you want to accomplish. So a lot of it is going in, dissecting the situation. But like you said, you lay everything out on the table. I think this is the spot you should list. I think this is the strategy that's best. What do you want to do? Yeah. And at the end of the day, they set the they set the price. They set everything. Our goal is to go in there. And that's why I don't I hate I hate salespersons. No, I hate the we're name. consultants more yeah, than anything. Exactly. And that's like the biggest pet peeve of mine is I never go into a house being like, I I'm gonna sell your house. Like, 
I know some people do that. I go in, I'm like, listen, what's your problem? I'm gonna I know help I know how to you fix sell it. your house. Yeah, let, yeah, yeah. Let, me, let me just guide you in this process, knowing I know more about this than you do. Yeah. Not like a cocky way, but I just, I know I can help no, you. No, because it's your like, job. It's the same as... Like my back. My back's screwed up. Like, yeah, do I know more about my back than my pyro? No, yeah. my pyro does. Like, hey, dude, like, I need this help. I need this worked on. So that's, that's kind of the... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Wow, we went all over the place. Went from yeah. bidding wars verdict to establishing price. That was actually a great episode. Yeah, we had no go us and pat you on the back, but I don't want to break you. Oh my god, I'm I'm mm, rough, rough, rough. Don't get old, kids. Um, so uh, fun fact of the day, office quote of the day, random factoid oh, of the day. Prepared. I haven't watched The Office since they took it off of Netflix. That's how long it's been. I don't know how long that is, but it's been a while. Like, what's your what's your like? Do you, do you do you really do you watch a lot of series? I I put I like to have TV on in the background when I'm doing stuff. So when I'm at home, usually the TV's on while I'm working. But are but, you like like if I put on a show in the background, it's something I've already seen. It's a movie I've already usually, seen. Yeah. It's a TV show I've already seen. It's Jeopardy, something I gotta pay attention to. It's like it would be something like that. Yeah. Like I wouldn't put like I just use Ozark because like I haven't watched anything new like in three years. So Ozark's my only one I've watched. So like I would not put Ozark on the first time I'm watching Ozark. No, that background. makes sense. Yeah. So that's why like I default to The Office or like Super Bad or Wedding Crashers because it, it doesn't require brain power to exactly have it on. I'm just yeah. zoning out. If I come in like pay attention for five minutes, I know exactly. I know the context of the movie. I know yeah. exactly what's happening. Yep. Um, I'm trying. To, I like. I kind of want to say like a fun like factoid. Um. But it's, you know what I was thinking? I was just down in Florida and I was down in Texas. So I was thinking of like, is there something cool from those places that I could tell a story about? And of course, oh, yes, there's one. I knew it would come to me as I'm talking. So we were in San Antonio. Nice place. Went and saw the Alamo. Like, and the Alamo, from my understanding, was like an old kind of like church kind of thing. And it was in like the Texas, God, my teachers are going to kill me for this, but Spanish, Mexican, or U.S. Mexican, U.S. Spanish War, when they were fighting over Texas. Texas is huge, by the way. It is, yeah. So that was the war down there. So the Alamo, I was expecting like, okay, the Alamo, when you look at it, it's like any old building you ever see, like in the middle of a city. It's just like so dwarfed by everything else like even like the restaurant across the street is massive compared to it so you kind of see this place and it just looks like this little old like stone relic and some walls and stuff and it's small so you look at it like oh this is cool i'm like oh let me wikipedia the alamo because i don't know enough about the alamo like i probably learned about it but like it's years ago so i'm like on our trusty trusty wikipedia page going through and come to find out the U.S. didn't even win at the Alamo. We mm-hmm. lost at the Alamo, mm-hmm. which is why I now get it. Everybody's like, remember the Alamo because we lost. We came back, fought back, whatever. Someone said Davy Crockett died there too. Mm-hmm. Okay. You knew that? Mm-hmm. Man, I'm Davy so- Crockett, I'm fairly certain. Actually, now I'm saying that. I need to look it up. I'm pretty sure Davy Crockett was born in the county that I was born in, um, Fayette County. Were you born in Texas? Nope, Tennessee. Oh, from Tennessee? Yep. We founded it or something, something like that. He was a guy with the uh, the raccoon head uh, cap. Well, in, in pictures, this is what he actually looked like. Oh, jeez, looks like a president. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's... Uh, he was. I mean, he was a politician. Was he? Yep. Um, I don't know anything about Davy Crockett. I think he was born there. He grew up in East Tennessee, so I'm, I'm guessing that's where he. Uh, Every time I see, I picture Davy Crockett. I just think of like the raccoon cap thing with the tail, and that's like, was that Davy Crockett? 
I, I know what you're thinking That's how about. They it must, them, right? I think in, I think in like kids car like educational cartoons cartoon. and stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure that's they make them how look like Lewis him. and Clark or like this like skirt like guy yeah. like just going around like navigating and exploring. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the Alamo. I did not. I don't think I knew that they lost at the Alamo. Then we came back and won, so I was proud. But I was like, oh, this is kind of a weird thing. Like, actually, let me confirm now if he died there. I'm pretty sure that that is correct. I didn't read it on Wikipedia, but somebody said that he did. He died at the Alamo. There yep, we go. At age 49. That's crazy. Because back then, like 49. You know what it always blows my mind? Someone back then lived to 49. Why does that blow your mind? But like, you know when you go back in the day and like people from the 1400s lived to like their 70 or 80? I'm like, we have it like super cushy, like not today's day and age. Yeah. And like back then they had like nothing. They had like medicine was ter- like not great. I mean, like, I don't think many of them lived to like 70 or but 80. You, but you see like, I mean the average age, like what was the average age? And you see these people that lived to like 70 or 80. I'm like, how did you do that back in those days where it's like, anything goes the medicine wasn't great the knowledge wasn't as knowledgeable as us technology wasn't as good like all these things where you see you had like animals roaming around you had people that just like shoot you for no reason like because they wanted your like your property like just crazy stuff and these people lived to that age i don't know this is actually very interesting um i didn't realize so this is specifically for male members of the english aristocracy during the, these time periods, from twelve to thirteen hundred, age sixty-four, was thir- the average age. Was the average age, wow. but for male aristocracy, so okay. think not having to give birth to children and not poor. Yes. Um, yes. Thirteen to fourteen hundred was age forty-five because of the plague. Fourteen to fifteen hundred, sixty-nine. Fifteen to fifteen hundred, seventy-one. Are these all the same classes of people? Yes. This is all okay. male so, aristocracy. So this is like the highest level of living back then. Yes, so... Or best chance of surviving for a long time. Yeah, but pro- everything else was... Wow, that was just really terrible. But you have to include the fact that most, like, children didn't live at past the age of five. So, like, that's got to skew the numbers, right? If most children I, die... You know what's the craziest thing? Like, like, back in the day when they gave... Okay, so... I've been, like, in the baby mode. Like, we've had a lot of yeah, kids last couple of years. Yeah, you got like, babies I, on babies. Yeah, like, I know like what my wife like went through for the baby process and like how much like scientific like scanning this doing that and like all very like fairly high level stuff not to mention like watching childbirth is still kind of a crazy thing oh yeah and then you look back back then i'm like they had nothing you weren't going to your monthly checkup they weren't checking to see if the baby was healthy with this they weren't checking to see like sonogram stuff they weren't doing anything there's no epidemic or ep- was it uh, epidermal or epidural? Yeah, epidural. There's like yeah. none of this stuff. So I'm sitting there, I'm like the, the amount of like babies and women that died back then was incredible. Yeah. And like I'm like, oh my God, I got stressed out in like a 2020 world, let alone a, you know, 1420 world. Like, I don't know. I can't imagine. Yeah. That, that stuff like absolutely blows my mind. Also freaks me out because like, I'm like, I would, I would have not survived long back then. I think I'm oh, too yeah. soft. Oh, we're, we're definitely a lot softer. I guess this is just going on off on fun facts. I was reading a book called Stiff that talks about cadavers and the history of cadavers. It's really interesting. Stiff? Yeah, because you're a stiff. Stiff. Yeah. Um, it, it's a lot more interesting than it sounds. You're a stiff. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I did like a, a, a zombie pose when I said that. Um, but they're talking about how surgeries prior to anesthesia and this Ugh. specific record of this guy you know how they used to have amphitheaters and they would like watch people have surgery done on them? 
Like, no. Okay, well, that was a thing. They have an amphitheater at the hospital here. It's like, it's not that old historic, really? historically wise. Yeah. Um, so they would watch people oh, do surgeries, oh, like educationally. I, oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the nurse, I thought you meant, like, for people to just go watch this. No. Like, no. Do, like, like, uh, I mean, I guess pe- probably some people, people to go to watch. People in schooling for. Yeah, yeah, probably some curious nobleman and stuff, too. I don't know. But this guy, prior to whatever it was, they invented anesthesia, which I think was the late 1800s, but I don't know. Anyways, he had to have a kidney stone removed. No anesthesia. This dude was digging around in his kidney. He did self did it? No, that oh. someone was doing it for him, but he just the thought of being conscious while someone's digging around in your kid I mean, I know your kidneys don't actually have any feeling, but like everything around them does. Oh, you got nerves, yeah, around like, there. Yeah. yeah. Not and, your kidneys, but around. Yeah, and so like at one point during the surgery, the guy couldn't get the stone and he just stuck his fingers in like the hole that he had created to like get the stone out. Oh. And I just can't imagine well, think about, like, anyone nowadays surviving back that. then. No. Oh yeah. The guy died shortly after. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> he, like, he did what, not live. Like what's but, all like, that stuff on that blade you're going inside. He sat of still through that. I just can't imagine anyone nowadays. You see like people get in, like in war to get like amputate your leg. Yeah. Just saw it off. Like, yeah. I don't know. Bite on this towel, dude. And like, okay. Like, <laughs> just, right. just kill me. Yeah. I was going to say, you got a gun, dude. And, like, oh man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I definitely like when you see like the war movies and they're like obviously acting, but I'm like, no, some dude got his like like sawed off, and that happened a lot. Humans are are it's, really incredible. I mean, I guess just creatures, living beings in general, it's just really incredible. It it persists. I don't think my pain tolerance is that high. That's why I get like the heat. You probably go numb though. I think after a like point. shock. Yeah, you have to go. Sh- I I would I would hope. I would just hope that you would go. The thing into is, shock. the body's incredible for many many reasons, and like you kind of adapt. Like your body, I think, would still biologically like adapt the way it should. Yeah. I don't know. Or you die from sepsis. Or you die. <laughs> what, a, what a world. All right. Well, <laughs> in other news. Um, all right. So real estate's good. And there's your, I guess we just really took a far off. That's all right. It's all good. You guys just learned a fun fact. No more fact. office facts. You just learned a fun fact. We're getting more gory. More. We're getting right in there. Getting right into the kidneys. All right. That's it. Episode 84 of Realty Talk with <laughs> Ellie and Galen.